0: Hey everyone, Chat Cemetery is back. I'm your host Deanna Chapman and I am joined by Jacob Tender and we are talking all about the 2017 TV series The Mist. Jacob, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good, thanks for having me back.
0: I would like to note that we are recording this nine months in advance.
1: (laughs) For my benefit.
0: (laughs) Yes. Well, and mine because I didn't really want to have to rewatch this.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's the trick. I I did just watch this recently, sort of on a whim. Honestly, I don't even remember what service this is on. Was this on Netflix?
0: I don't know, because I watched it when it was actually airing, because right. the network at the time, which was Spike TV and is now Paramount, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, they, it's changed
1: since this aired.
0: Yeah, they wow. were sending me the episodes weekly just to watch, and I watched them on my computer. So I was like, I don't even know what's going on with the whole Spike TV Paramount stuff. But I believe it yeah. was Spike TV at the time because they did send me this book. It's like a nice hardcover book, and it has stills from the show, it has little character descriptions, it has the credits at the back, and it's mm-hmm. super nice. And I was like, I don't know what purpose this serves but I'll keep yeah. it because it's Stephen King.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that's kind of why I, I put it on. I'm just like, okay, yeah, this seems like kind of kind of spooky and cool. Like, I like the story of The Mist. It's, it's a straightforward science fiction horror story, but, you know, I don't know. I, I didn't have, like, high hopes or anticipation for this at all. Obviously, I watched it two years after it came out. Um, I thought it was new. <laughs> <laughs> so... I don't know. Uh, when, when I got to the end of the season, and then I found out that they were no longer making the show. I can't say I was disappointed.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen the movie just yet. Because again, we're recording this so far in advance, I haven't even gotten to the movie episode. But have you seen the movie?
1: I may have. But it's been long enough that I. it's probably best that I just say that I haven't. Okay. You know what I mean? I wouldn't remember enough of it. If I did, it was probably something that I saw like, bits and pieces of on TV years ago.
0: That's kind of how I feel about the show. But to dive in, I think the cast was interesting because they got enough familiar faces. Like Morgan Spector had been in a few things here and there. Gus Burney is the daughter of Constance Shulman, who is in Orange is the New Black, and Reed Burney, who is also an actor. And I didn't make the connection with her mom but now that i know that and i look at her i'm like oh i yeah. see it
1: yeah she's like a dead ringer for her mom it's hilarious yeah um, i mean both of her parents are, are like well established and, and known actors in their own right and they have a weird little family but i i really enjoyed uh gus Bernie in this in this series i thought she was great and you're right like the the cast has a lot of familiar faces i mean it has francis conroy for god's sake like, yes. she's a legend um it has a great cast it just sort of I don't know. I don't think it really grabbed a lot of folks. I think it had enough interesting characters for people to probably watch another season, but I guess the viewership just wasn't there.
0: I obviously would have watched another season because of this podcast. I probably would have combined it into (laughs) one episode, though, whereas with some of the newer stuff, I'm splitting it up season by season, which I think will just help me you know, as far as consuming it and talking about it, because right now, at least at the time of us recording this, you have things like Mr. Mercedes, you have Castle Rock and Castle Rock makes sense to go through season by season since it's more anthology based, even though it's kind of like American Horror Story where you'll get those connections, which, you know, speaking of American Horror Story, one of the shows that we know Francis Conroy from, who, like you said, is amazing. You have Isaiah Whitlock Jr., who was in The Wire on my watch list. I haven't seen it just yet, but he's another actor who's been in a bunch of stuff. And I think it's a little disappointing that the cast didn't really get as much of a chance to shine as I was hoping, because I think the way they wrote some of the characters. It's just like, when you have things happening to Gus Bernie at the beginning, who plays Alex, her character comes off as really whiny at times. And I did not like that at all. And obviously, she's not whiny because of the traumatic thing that happens to her, which we'll get to shortly. But it's just the way they wrote her character. Sometimes I was like, oh, she's gonna be a whiny teenager.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, she is a teen. And we'll get to to all the things that are, are bothering her in the show, um, but I guess for my benefit because I don't actually know the answer to this is was the mist one of Stephen King's stories or a, just a, a straight up screenplay?
0: It's a story that was in his one of his earlier collections, I believe it was Skeleton Crew.
1: Okay, okay, so it was like a it was a short story. It was a novella. Okay, and in the movie, did that adhere more strictly to the written story?
0: I have not seen the movie yet, but. I have heard that the movie is definitely better than the show because the movie is Frank Darabont. So, you know, he worked on Shawshank and the Green Mile. And so he was very familiar with King's stories and work already. So I think that helps when you have people who are returning. And, you know, the present day version, I guess, would be Mike Flanagan doing Gerald's Game and Dr. Sleep and who knows what else by the time everyone is listening to this.
1: Yeah, whatever Netflix will pay him to make.
0: Yeah, so I think the movie leans more into the monster aspect of what's hiding in the mist.
1: Yeah, it seemed like I mean, again, I'm not because I'm not familiar with the the original story. It seemed like this TV series really sort of just took the the vague idea of the mist in that it has the mist. And it has the monsters and it sort of just created its own, its own cast and its own, you know, circumstances. So I don't know if that really plays into it. Like if they had adhered more to the original story, maybe, to be, maybe it would be better, but maybe we should just get into the story because I yeah. think it did take some interesting turns. Um, I don't know if we do, do you do spoiler horns on this podcast?
0: I don't, but I probably should. But you know, as many episodes <laughs> as we're in now, I think, uh, that might be a given.
1: Yeah. So it kind of starts out with like, you meet this girl played by Gus Bernie and she has like this this best friend who is like, you know, his sexuality is ambiguous and he wears a lot of eyeliner. He obviously just sort of like, he's like your stereotypical on screen like cast out sort of weirdo in town. And they have this really tight relationship, but she is like, even though she's friends with this kind of weirdo, it seems like she might be on the outside, uh, catches the eye of like the high school football star, right? So you have this like stereotypical um, story, w- which sort of ends up in a in a party scene rape, and that's like a really strong way to start the show. Obviously, they really kind of addressed how her parents handled the rape in very different ways, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. I think it really kind of examined the reality of an event like that and how it can really tear apart. A family because by all accounts like the parents seem very happy together and everything until this happened because one blamed the other because They were afraid that something like this might happen and that kind of you know that evolves as the story goes deeper and deeper uh, but I thought that was a really bold way to start this show and it set up a bunch of really high-stakes drama before the mist even gets to town and it just made everything that came thereafter that much more complicated because it is a small town and, mm-hmm. you know, her Everyone parents knows. are involved. Every, everybody in town knows and the football star who allegedly raped her is the son of the sheriff. So yeah. so you immediately have like these high stakes scenarios with, you know, just the people involved before this, you know, horrific event uh, befalls the area. So, yeah, I, I thought it was a bold start and that's what caught me hooked. Like I I intended to just watch the first episode or so just to, you know, kind of get a feel for what it's about. And it was interesting enough to keep me going. So I think in that respect, it it kind of succeeded. And I think the interest sort of faded the further you got into the show. I think it went a little long.
0: See, that's interesting to me because that wasn't in the story at all. And yet that's what hooked you. And I think the problem a lot of people had with this show was how absolutely bleak it was start to finish. It was like, there was not a good thing that was happening (laughs) to these characters at any point. And granted, it's a Stephen King story. So I expect that at least, you know, it's one of those things for me where I was like, okay, this is an interesting choice because it sets it up exactly the way you said. And while it kind of takes away from diving right into the actual story that King wrote, it gives you a little more time with learning who these characters are instead of just having them immediately thrown into this big horrific event.
1: Right. I think that's a good thing too, right? So you you get to know these characters in their day to day. And even though uh, the rape happens very early on, um, you get to know all the the side characters in their certain respects, like you know, the the neighbors next door, the, the weird hippie neighbors and the other teens and, you know, the reverend. And you get to know these characters that will continually be running into each other um, or interacting with each other when the shit hits the fan. But it helps you as the viewer sort of become as unsettled as they are with the circumstances that they get into. It gives you just enough time to understand what normal is probably like in this, especially if you're maybe used to a smaller town, um, like I am, like that town seemed very familiar to me. I I immediately got it. So yeah, I think think the beginning of the show really worked and I think they probably spent a lot of time on that. Um, But it, it gave us a good intro to all of these people that would come into play later on.
0: Yeah, and because you have all of these characters too, one, it's a little hard to keep track of them. You have sort of a handful of main characters that you really want to focus on and then everyone is kind of treated as background characters and it's a little more than a handful it's probably like 10 characters i would say the show really hones in on
1: yeah yeah i i mean as the show goes on people are killed off a lot of them sort of exist just to further others stories but yeah it's it's a pretty small small group and I think it could be even smaller, but because the story mostly splits off in two different directions with two different groups of you know survivors, if we want to call them that um, it makes sense for there to be about that many. Like there there's the smaller group, which is led by Alex's dad and these people that he just sort of like runs across, including her best friend, right? The weirdo. And they're just trying to get to the mall where Alex is with her mother and unfortunately, Jay, the football player. <laughs> so you've got like people locked up in in tight quarters with the people that they would least like to be with. and And that adds a lot of tension because it's again, this is all tension that's brought in from before the mist. It's not even the fact that there is this mist that somehow kills people when people go into it or makes them crazy in different ways. It's this like very domestic drama that's being carried around from character to character. Yeah, it just, it makes it so interesting. You've got like, who are the other characters? So you've got like the family, you've got the mom and dad and Alex, and then you've got the sheriff and the son, but then you've got...
0: You have the drug addict, Mia, you have the soldier, Brian. And
1: both of them like escape from jail, basically.
0: Yeah, they're basically let out of the police station. You have Natalie Raven, who is Francis Conroy's character. Gus Bradley, who is Isaiah Whitlock Jr., and I would say for the most part, them and maybe Father Romanov are kind of who
1: is Bulldog from Fraser.
0: Okay. (laughs) They're kind of the core group that I would say gets focused on. Oh, and Adrian, of course. Yeah. But it's funny because all of these character names totally different than the story. Okay. In fact, the family in the story, it's a husband, a wife, and a son. So that's why I think I struggled with this so much, because it's like, you couldn't even give me one character who had the same name as anyone in the story.
1: Is that where the differences end? Like, is the story, are the story points familiar? Or is it like a completely new story in the situation that is The Mist?
0: This feels like it is way more loosely based on the story. There is a mist. In the story that has creatures in it. Mm -hmm. And we don't really see a ton of creatures in this. Yeah. It's more of like the press package that I got. It says fear human nature. Right. On it. And I think whether you put those three words together and it's literally fear human nature or if they're three separate things. None of that really has to do with creatures. And I think that's where... A lot of the differences are, too, because in the story, they're in the store and that's it. There's no mall that I recall. There's, you know, no separate location. It's like when they are basically told to stay inside or trapped inside, I guess is a better way to phrase it. They're all in like the grocery store.
1: Yeah, that part I do remember from the movie It that that rings some bells
0: and it's a very otherworldly thing in the novella whereas here it's just it doesn't feel the same
1: they do a a very heavy-handed job of tying it in with you know religion or faith in some way like there's this uh opposition between the reverend and the hippie lady played by francis conroy where obviously, like he he believes that this is some sort of sign from God, whether it be punishment or a test. And then Francis Conroy, who's very much in tune with nature and conservation, um, she believes that she's being spoken to from Mother Nature herself. Like this is this is the Earth doing what it needs to do to reclaim itself from from humanity. You've got these two different prophets in a church. <laughs> and they they kind of start splitting people off into different groups, like those who are are remaining faithful to God. And then the other ones who are like really interested in what she has to say about the spider that she caught. Um, And as the show goes on, she gets crazier and crazier, but that's how this whole, like that's how the mist is sort of explained to us as a viewer, because at the mall where you've got all of these random strangers, most of them who you know don't matter at all. um, And then you have, the daughter and the wife and um and the football player you've got like all of these people here but they're so concerned with each other and there's like fracturing that's going on there too no we're gonna camp here no we're gonna camp here because we don't agree with the rules like, okay but all of that is so you know interpersonal whereas at the church you have an even smaller group, and it's it's so big. Like The stakes are so much higher there, and some of the people that are there just want to leave and get to the mall. <laughs> so, yeah, like our interpretation of The Mist, at least in this show, is really guided by that smaller group of characters at the church. Whereas at the mall, they sort of experiment with it, but really it's just like a thing that's keeping them inside. It's more of like you know, a pandemic, maybe something that we can all relate to right now. Um, hopefully not quite as much when this comes out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like some of that is interesting, but they also that's the part I think they drug out for way too long. Like it took a really long time for Francis Conroy to like, you know, strip down to nothing and walk out of the church into the mist to prove that, you know, she, she was right that took way too many episodes. It was almost the whole season. And that was a little frustrating.
0: Yeah, I think this would have been way better served if it were cut down to six or eight episodes. And
1: it didn't even need a second season, really. I mean, I I, I get like why they wanted to do it because I think... Because it's Stephen King
0: and his name makes money.
1: (laughs) Of course, like the original concept and then the you know, the movie, those are like self-contained stories. I think what they probably wanted to do is they wanted to explore beyond the confines of the town that the story is based on, which is cool. It's a you know, maybe there's like more to explore there. But I feel like there's a lot of good parts of this show that would have made a totally fine short series. And if this was made in England, they probably would have done that. But because this is the United States and it's being produced by... You said Spike TV? <laughs> yeah. I guess they really had they really just wanted to milk it. But looking at the viewership numbers on Wikipedia, it looks like they didn't even crack a million views on the first episode, and it went consistently I, I guess it kinda held until like episode five, and then it just it just plummeted. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of like what more good things I can say about it because I, I wasn't angry. When I finished it,
0: I kind of was, but
1: (laughs) (laughs) well, you're, you're also like, you had you're in a position at the time where you were writing about it. You had to have things to say, presumably about every episode. And that's kind of hard when there were a lot of episodes where not a whole lot happened.
0: It felt the same throughout a lot of the episodes. It was like, we kind of got the same thing over and over for four or five episodes.
1: Yeah. Like every episode had its own creative death and that was, that was sort of it. Otherwise, it was just kind of like the dad is getting closer and closer to the mall by hopping from building to building and car to car with Adrian. And then everything at the mall was pretty much the same every episode. And the only parts that really changed were, again, those like dramatic moments from pre Mist, where you have like the girl and her alleged rapist who are in the same mall and they sort of like kindle a friendship because now she isn't sure, <laughs> which also plays into, you know, a lot of the culture around rape and believing women which is interesting and also very cool but that's like the only thing changing there <laughs> that and just dealing with what happens when a group of strangers get together and have to form a mini society and ration food and the greed of the manager who is hoarding food and nobody else knows and nobody can agree in what to do and then you have this faction of people that want to break off from the rest of the group because they don't trust them and it's all of that is again like very you know fear human nature But yeah, those were like probably like the most important plot points in the show and the most interesting. They really they really made the myth sort of this tangential thing. And I don't know if that's for a lack of ideas on how to make it more interesting or if the core of this story from the beginning is is really just a focus on the human nature. And that that could be it, too. Again, not familiar with the source material, so (laughs) I wouldn't draw that comparison.
0: I wasn't at the time either, because this came out in 2017, and I didn't start Chat Cemetery until 2018. So I hadn't read Skeleton Crew, and I didn't even notice until, you know, I read the story and whatnot that not a single character has the same name as anyone in the story that I've been able to find anyway here on the IMDb list. I mean, it's pretty long, but of the main characters, none of them share a name with the characters in the story, but it's obvious that they're trying to tell that story in a different way with slightly different characters. Obviously, adding in the rape gives you something to basically immediately be angry about. And to start off with something that traumatic and bleak, it's like, okay, you start off on this big note, with the rape and then the mist rolling in all in the same episode and everything else kind of falls flat from there because for the people who had seen the movie, they wanted sort of that creature element to it.
1: Right. I think that's what I expected. Yeah. That's why I started it. I just watched like five creature features. in <laughs> uh, Yeah, let's just roll with the mist.
0: Yeah. So clearly, you and I should definitely watch the movie soon now that we've been <laughs> having this conversation. But it was something that I felt like, even though I wasn't familiar with the source material at the time, it just didn't feel like it had the essence of a Stephen King adaptation, necessarily.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think you're you're probably right about that. And another thing that I, d- I just thought of was sort of that, like, yeah, okay, we're maybe like we would expect monster to be sort of the the protagonist in this uh, or monsters rather and, and instead we get like this more nebulous you know mystical uh haze that comes through the town and then what that what that does is it sort of it brings out the worst in most people again human nature but what this show develops is sort of the secondary protagonist, which is Adrian, right? So the best friend that we've been talking about was the person that raped the girl. Like, Adrian raped Alex at the beginning of the show. The football player was blamed. And that's what sets up all of the drama for this entire show. The whole series is based on on that tension. And when you find out that it's Adrian, like, you're not entirely surprised. Because you know that Adrian's pretty fucked up for, like, a bunch of reasons. Um, but you you find out that he's, like, a complete sociopath. And so the fact that he survives the show, uh, or the season, rather, and presumably would come back into play in future episodes, that that is, again, like, more interesting drama. But if you take all of that out, if you take everything that had to do with the rape out, what do you have? You know, is there much of a show there? And if that's the case, like, why is the show called the mist is it is it enough to add an interesting and current story like that you know put that on tv and then just label it with something stephen king i don't know like i don't know what stephen king's thoughts are on this show or if he even cares to to add anything to it but i just wonder if it didn't have that sort of drama what would it have what makes this adaptation in quotes of the mist an adaptation of the mist I don't know. Maybe we would have found out in season two, <laughs> right? But
0: and here's the thing about this show too. I totally forgot about the twist that it was Adrian.
1: Yeah, I know. Like they they saved it until near the end, but not so close to the end that it's like the stinger. It ha- you find out in. I don't know if it's the second to last or the third to last episode of the show. And then he sort of disappears. Like Adrian just like kind of disappears from the show and he ends up just kind of hiding in people's cars and moving around from place to place. And he's at the mall and he tries to like burn the mall down. And I don't know, he's obviously like a really messed up kid, but yeah, you forget that. And then I think another thing that you kind of forget is at the very end of the show, the st- the stinger that they left it on is that um, the military who, you Know, told everybody in the town by way of dropping what must have been millions of pieces of paper saying, Say inside, help is coming uh, from helicopters or something. They're like, they're feeding the mist by releasing um, prisoners from trains. And so then there's like this whole government element that comes into play too. So you've got this religious thing, you've got the government. How are, how are they involved? in this whole thing. And when I say government, I guess I kind of mean military. It's probably a a mixture or two. I don't really, that was sort of undecided at that time, because we have, was it Brian, the military guy who had amnesia or whatever, and he may or may not even be military, but he was from some group called Arrowhead, and they were conducting
0: experiments. Right. And then they go into a house and find a bunch of dead soldiers too, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was like a, either like a a SWAT team or like soldiers or something. And then you've got the bit at the end with the the train and that's what they left it on. So yeah, it seemed like there was a lot going on. I don't know if it didn't have a focus or if it focused on the wrong things, but I think from a drama point of view, I think there were interesting parts of it that did drag out kind of long. Uh, From a science fiction horror point of view, it wasn't that great, but I wasn't like disappointed that I spent the time watching the show. Like I didn't think it was a complete waste of time. Some of the effects were kind of neat and some of the kills were sort of interesting. I don't know. I don't know where to land on this one, Deanna. I really don't. It's it was like just such a the show was just kind of there, (laughs) which is why I watched it. Right. And when it was finished, it was still just kinda like, okay. Yeah, that was there. And uh it's not coming back. And I'm okay with that.
0: Yeah. When it was over I was like, oh okay. It's over. You know, I didn't think for a second it was going to get a second season. And I felt bad reviewing it because I was like, I just don't like this all that much. And it really felt like they tried to do too much by adding in the extra storylines. Because I think what works well with the story itself is that you're taking this small town, you're putting a bunch of people in the grocery store, you know, and then it's like, you find out who these people are at their core. And King also did that with Storm of the Century, because a storm rolls in, and they all go sort of to the town hall, and you have the families there. And it's a very different story. But in the sense that these people are stuck together, and they have to live with that, it feels like it played out better in Storm of the Century than it ever did in this show. And I think that's a bit of a disappointment because we don't really get any hints as to why Adrian is the way he is until they just throw everything at you all at once where he kills his dad and admits to raping Alex. Right. It's like we knew he was the outsider, but we didn't know he was capable of killing and raping.
1: With Adrian's story, we're set up to sympathize with him because his you know, obviously like his dad doesn't agree with his lifestyle and his mom is sort of apathetic and just sort of goes along with whatever his dad says. And his dad's like this big brutish dude, you know, doesn't really show any emotion, refuses to talk to him if he has his eyeshadow on like just this very, you know, macho bravado of an asshole dad. Um, and so, yeah, you feel bad for Adrian, but then, When he goes back home after the mist has come and he finds that his mom has died, his dad obviously is like destroyed by it. Uh, Can't even like, you know, can't even do it. Like the body's just sitting in the living room. Like the dad's going through a hard time and you can tell because he's actually showing some emotion. And then when he gets killed, it's like, oh, wow. Like I was supposed to hate the dad because you thought it was just this whole like homophobic sort of thing or, you know, some sort of bigoted outlook that he had. But what you kind of think about is like, it seems like his dad had a problem with him in general. Like he knew more than the show let on, which was that Adrian obviously had some sort of disorder that he may or may not like have taken medication for. It ended up being the death of, of his dad and, you know, also violated Alex's character. So yeah, like, I don't know. There, there are a lot of interesting little things like the, the, the more you dig into it, it has a lot of cultural commentary, and I think like that's the part of it that I've I've taken away the most of. But I think it it did enough. <laughs> I feel bad. This is like, this is awful. Like, this isn't like, you know, I'm talking this out for the first time. You're the only other person I know that has watched this. So I I haven't been able to talk about this with anybody else. Okay. So the more that I talk about it, the more that I find that I I actually did enjoy about it, but none of it has anything to do with The Mist.
0: Yeah. It's just
1: this, like, story of sociopaths and humanity
0: (laughs) in a small town it's like the show needed to be something else that wasn't the mist and they just used the mist as a way to put stephen king's name on it
1: yeah i feel like this could have been like any netflix or hulu dramatic show. show Yeah, it didn't, it didn't even need to have sci fi, like all these elements were there. And it, it just needed to have some reason to keep them all inside and to make them all go crazy. So like, that's, yeah, the, I guess that's what sci fi really is. At the end of the day, like sci fi is a window into humanity and like real issues. And I do really enjoy the genre for that. Like, it's always been, it's always been that it's always been a way to portray like these more complex ideas and talk about more terrifying subjects, because you can like, lessen the blow of those things happening with some sort of supernatural reason than the idea that it happens for no reason at all like rape is a terrible thing we like obviously don't want rape to happen but rape right. does happen and there doesn't seem to be any real reason for why that occurs so when you throw in the science fiction element it's like well there must be something at play here like this must be there must be some sort of tie and when there is no tie and you do like finally come to terms with the fact that like, that's just what happened and the fact that it happened by somebody that she trusted uh, and that he's, you know, like a sociopath and just a terrible, terrible human. You're able to kind of walk into that a little slower because you've had this like overarching mystical story element that you keep thinking is going to like make your world more safe by telling you that, this couldn't actually happen. It's because of this. So science fiction is great in that way. And I guess now that I've talked about it more, I understand (laughs) why they made this the mist. But I still don't want another season.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And here's the thing. This wouldn't be the first time that this has happened where someone takes a story, loosely bases it off of a Stephen King thing, just to sort of put his name on it, but really to tell a different story. Because you have... Three different. Sometimes they come back movies, and the third one was originally a movie titled Frozen, and not remotely close to anything that Disney released under the Frozen name. But
1: when did when did this Frozen come out?
0: Oh boy, early two thousands, I want to say.
1: Okay, that's funny because I followed this writer probably. I followed this writer on Twitter, and he, you know, he had like a newsletter where he would just like write his reviews. Um, For years, and it turns out that this like newspaper, this weird local newspaper in Massachusetts or something um, had been stealing his reviews and just publishing them in their newspaper for like years, like something like 500 reviews. And one of the ones that they stole and published was about the movie Frozen, the one that you're talking about, but they put in a photo for the animated series or the animated movie that came out, I guess, kind of around the same time, called Frozen. So the, the review is about something much different, but th- it's kind of funny.
0: It was 98, to be exact.
1: Okay, 98. Maybe it was a different Frozen then. But still, it's a good anecdote.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there's also a TV show called Haven, which is apparently very loosely based on The Colorado Kid. And The Colorado Kid is one of King's smallest books and that show ran for like five seasons. So it's like, okay, clearly you took the book, wanted to create this sort of sci-fi show that was loosely based on it, which The Colorado Kid is one of the hard case crime books, so it didn't really feel like it ever had this sci-fi element to it. So maybe I'm wrong on the genre of the show, but I feel like Stephen King is one of those names where people are like, we like this specific work of his, but we want to take it and do something different with it because you also mm-hmm. have the Lawnmower Man movies, which he sued them to get his name taken off.
1: Oh, wow. Well. How often has that happen? Was that the only case of that?
0: That's the only case I know where a legal team got involved because it was not remotely like the short story that he wrote. And they took it in like this weird sci-fi direction. And really, it's just sort of this Horror story about a lawnmower mowing the lawn itself. But I mean, I that. <laughs> to, of this.
1: This, this looks terrible. It's, it's like Tron meets Hellraiser.
0: Yeah, that's not remotely what the short story <laughs> is like. And it was one of those things where I'm just like, there are some bizarre stories involving quote unquote, Stephen King adaptations. And, you know, I put this on the list because it did have the mist it did try to have creatures, but not really. Like obviously, people were dying when they went into the mist. There's no denying that
1: something was grabbing some of them. Yeah, you know. In other cases, like it was, it just made other people crazy enough to kill. Like there were a lot of different things that were happening. Like the there were the no guy, rules. The guy in the church in like the top room of the church that like tried to you know kill Francis Conroy or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, he just had all his like skin. Melted off.
0: Yeah, it was it was weird. <laughs>
1: yeah, there's like a lot going on. But now I really want to watch these lawnmower man movies. These look awful.
0: <laughs> well, I guess you're welcome. I haven't seen them, so I can't speak to them other than I know they got sued to take Stephen King's name off of them.
1: His his name's still on the cover of the first one. His team failed on that respect.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it would have been for like the VOD the release or something or yeah. what but it's weird. But Jacob, I am very glad you got to talk this through for the first time. You know, when I was watching it, my mom was (laughs) watching it with me. So we would kind of discuss after every episode and she liked it more than I did. But I think there was just something missing. They tried to do way too much with it.
1: It never found its balance. And all of the most interesting aspects of the movie had very little to do with The Mist. The Mist was just sort of this like catalyst that made an already interesting issue more complicated. So, as much as I love, you know, Frances Conroy in this, she's great. Her part didn't really have like a, a lot to do with with what happened. So, I don't know. At the end of the day, it was interesting. Mhm. I don't think it was like a waste of time for anybody to make, but I can I can see why it wasn't renewed and and that's okay. Like I don't I don't think that shows need to continue on for that long. Again, I really enjoy like the BBC Sky model of making shows that are, are just as long as they need to be and calling it done. And even though this one sort of left the door open for more, um, I think it was more or less a self-contained thing. Like we we got the gist of all of the drama that made this movie interesting. And, um, and we'd know what could theoretically happen later. And it's just that Adrian causes more trouble.
0: <laughs> right. And the thing too is that like you said, you were like, this was on Spike TV. And how many people actually have Spike TV or know that Spike TV exists? So it's a very strange platform for a Stephen King adaptation. For the most part, now those things are through the big network channels or through Netflix, Hulu. You know, Amazon was supposed to do the Dark Tower, but that fell through. And you have Castle Rock on Hulu. You have gerald's game 1922 in the tall grass those are all netflix original movies cbs all access did the stand remake you know it's a
1: lot of stephen king tv right now yeah in context
0: and i imagine by the time everyone is listening to this there's even more things that have been announced or come to fruition at least and I really think it's kind of hard for me to say that we're in a King Renaissance period because (laughs) having done this podcast, it's like he never went away. It's just you have years where it's like there wasn't much that was really good out of the adaptations. Yeah. Which is unfortunate, but he's going, you know, people are going to keep adapting his stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if 20 years from now we see another Mist.
1: Oh, for sure. Of course we will. I'm. I'm interested though. Have you been? Keep, do you keep statistics, or have you ever drummed up the numbers on what percentage of his written work has been adapted? Because I'd be interested in what hasn't. Like what? What is left that hasn't been touched yet? You know, I know they remake certain stories over and over again. Um, the box office of the past couple of years has shown that. But what hasn't been adapted? What hasn't made it into a TV show or a short series or a movie.
0: Yeah, there are certain works of his that I think would be very hard to adapt. And I think From a Buick 8 is one of them. I know there were there were talks about maybe doing something with that, but nothing ever came to life. And then I think it really feels like a lot has been done. Obviously, he has so many short stories that not every short story has been done. But then you have the short stories that have been done to death, like The Children of the Corn. So if the Children of the Corn series is any indication, this is never going to end.
1: <laughs> well, they just keep getting further and further from the the source material there, I think.
0: Yeah, they really do. Or it's just like student films. <laughs>
1: well, it's great. I mean, obviously, he's he's given so much to the culture, it's insane. And yeah, they're not all hits, but every once in a while, you get a good one.
0: Yeah, I would say of his big books the talisman and black house which are connected are sort of the two that i'm surprised haven't been adapted
1: yeah talisman was a pretty big deal i mean there's an there's opportunity and maybe like i i wonder how like involved he is in the decision making process do you know like does he get the the thumbs up or down on whether or not something gets adapted or who gets adapted by like Will he turn somebody down and just hope that somebody else asks later if they if he thinks they will do a better job?
0: Honestly, I've heard he will let anyone make anything if they <laughs> pay for the rights, and he does what's called the dollar babies. So you can take a short story or a novella and buy the rights for a dollar. And I think that is mostly done for filmmakers who are early in their careers, student filmmakers, because that is actually how... I think Frank Darabont got to do Shawshank. I could be wrong on that. It's been a while since I've read that and done that episode, but it is a novella. And it doesn't apply to the actual novels. So it's very interesting the way he does the rights because he wants to give everyone sort of a chance to make their own versions of his stories. But, you know, we know that he does not like Kubrick's The Shining, even though it's a fantastic horror movie. It's not really good as an adaptation because it changes so many things, kind of like this, Mm -hmm. except good.
1: Right. (laughs) Except still one of the greatest movies ever made.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Maybe not the best example there, but I, I think it's just fun to see what people come up with. And obviously, the more people adapt things of his, the more episodes I will have to do of this. I know By the time everyone's listening to this, we're getting pretty close to caught up, which is exciting. And I know that a lot of his stuff now it's getting optioned before the releases even come out. Like the Institute was already optioned for TV or something like right when it came out. I remember the announcement being like the day of the day after something crazy like that.
1: Wow. The bidding wars on those just must be crazy.
0: Especially now, you know, because it blew up. Doctor Sleep blew up. You have the Netflix originals that are good. From what I know anyway, I have only seen Gerald's Game at this point. But I think the quality has gone up quite a bit for production. So it makes these things a little more exciting because, you know, you're not going to get something like you would get with an 80s adaptation for King.
1: Yeah. It's it's cool. I mean, I I watch a lot of it. It's and it's not just because it's King, you know, like it, it's just that his stories are so good. And they're compelling. It's like something you want to put on it doesn't. It's not like I'm, I'm going out and I'm watching everything that Stephen King made because I don't have a podcast that requires me to do so. I do it for all of you. But I watch a lot of it. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. And it's simply because either, you know, you've read the book or you're just familiar with the story because there have been two three adaptations
1: exactly you're like yeah I, d- I never really wanted to watch that movie but oh they're remaking it and i like the person that's in it sure yeah oh I'll, I'll watch this
0: right yeah
1: well you know what I, I do hope that they that they stop giving them to mike flanagan he needs to take a break from from this stuff and try something new <laughs> i like mike flanagan but he he needs to he needs to kind of walk away from horror for a minute i think and, and try something else
0: Interesting take, Jacob.
1: (laughs) I don't know. I just finished Fly Manor. That's uh, that's on top of mind.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I personally wouldn't mind if he keeps doing horror, but that's just me. And you know, I might be a little biased.
1: The thing is, like, he makes a movie like Hush, which is great. It's you know, it's I I think Hush is underappreciated, and it's it's a good movie to recommend to people because they might not have heard of it. I think it's you know, it's probably on Netflix like all of his stuff is now. Yeah. But Hush is amazing. And then you've got Oculus, which is just so bad. It's just so uninteresting.
0: I haven't seen that one. I have seen Hush, though. I
1: don't know. This isn't a Mike Flanagan podcast, but it might become one. He does do a lot of Stephen King stuff.
0: Awesome. Well, Jacob, thank you for coming on to talk about the mist today. It's been fun.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me and for doing this so far in advance.
0: Yeah. No problem. It helps me out down the line somewhere.
1: Yeah. I hope that. This will give you a little bit of a break. I know it won't. I know you just keep... (laughs) Don't be afraid to just take some time off. I know that you like to build up your your back catalog and everything, but then you just keep building up the back catalog. Use that back catalog sometime. Take a little break.
0: Hopefully by the time everyone is listening to this, I will have done that.
1: We'll (laughs) see. Yeah, in the next nine months, I sure hope so. (sighs)
0: <sighs>
1: well anyway thank you again this is great great podcast congratulations i think you she just had 100 episodes
0: yeah by the time everyone's listening to this though that would have been 40 episodes ago
1: that's amazing well still congratulations thank I'm telling you because it, it just happened and that that's awesome
0: yeah we're time traveling here on this episode all right that does it for this episode of chat cemetery you can support the podcast on patreon for a dollar a month you'll get a thank you on the show for two dollars a month i will send you a chat cemetery sticker And if you want to follow us on social media, you can do so at Chat Cemetery on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You could also rate and review the show. That's a huge help. And as always, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.